0: Hey, Disney fan. Have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney.
1: I'm Jeffrey from D23.
0: I'm Candice from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside
1: Disney. Hey, guys.
2: Hey.
1: Oh, it's nice to hear your voices.
0: Nice to hear yours. Yes, I missed you guys. Every day I don't talk to you, I miss you.
1: (laughs) But still keeping some Disney magic.
0: Okay, so my parents just got a bunch of our old vacation videos digitized. So I now have access to these videos that I I don't think I've ever seen. And the first one I watched was our first trip to Walt Disney World. I was four years old. And yeah, it's... (laughs) it's (laughs) It's really something. So in one of the clips, you get to see a truly remarkable performance in which I sing Colors of the Wind very quietly and Hakuna Matata. (laughs) (laughs) By <laughs> I quietly, you mean
2: not quiet at all?
0: <laughs> no, actually, like, I think in my head I was, like, really belting it, but I was such a shy kid that you can, like, barely hear me. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, I've got to send you guys the clips. They're, they're really something.
1: Oh my That's gosh, amazing. yes, please.
0: What have you been up to?
1: I could not help but go shopping because on June 1st, Shop Disney released the new Rainbow Disney collection which, speaking of Colors of the Wind, it's got all the colors in it. It is (laughs) so cool, and even better is Disney makes a $100,000 donation to Glisten to support Safe Schools, which is really fantastic. So I get to wear something fabulous and do something good as well at the same time, which I love. And and for people who are interested, you can go to shopdisney.com to see more. And I also... Got to sit down and watch. Well, actually, first I watched Onward with my niece, and my niece isn't someone who loves full movies. She prefers to watch TV shows, and she's obsessed with Bunked and
3: The Big Fib with our friend Mm -hmm. uh,
1: with our uh, with our palivet. We got her to sit down. She loved Onward. She's very into magic. When I heard she was into magic, I said, "Well." I'm getting an advanced screener of Artemis Fowl. Do you want to see that? And she was like, what's an Artemis Fowl? And as any (laughs) seven-year-old might ask. But we sat down and we watched it. And she could not take her eyes off the screen. And neither could I, which is a great sign of a family movie. So I can't wait, because later on in our show today, we get to talk to the director, Sir Kenneth Branagh, who I'm very excited to chat with. And Candace, you had some Artemis not so foul encounters, too.
2: Yeah, I actually got to interview Josh Gad and Ferdia Shaw, which that's going to start airing Friday and all weekend on Radio Disney. So I'm excited about Artemis Fowl, too. It's all going to come full circle now.
1: Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. I believe before we started recording, you mentioned that you watched a movie that perhaps Sherry was singing in her four year old video.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I watched Pocahontas. It looks so good on Disney Plus. If you haven't seen it, I don't even remember the last time I watched it, but the colors are so much more beautiful than I remember now that it's on Disney Plus. The colors Mm -hmm. of the wind. The colors of the wind on my screen.
1: I love that. Such
2: a classic.
1: I love that movie. The music is so beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. Starting out with Huge news. Our friends at Disneyland have submitted their phased reopening proposal.
0: Wow! um,
1: Which would begin with Downtown Disney on July 9th, the theme parks on July 17th, appropriate given that it is Disneyland's 65th anniversary on July 17th, and the hotels on July 23rd. So you can check out the Disney Parks blog for more exciting details on this announcement. And I'm excited to go back to Disneyland.
2: That's awesome. That's so
0: cool. Well, on to some stellar news. The Walt Disney Company and Shanghai Disney Resort have launched a brand new outer space themed Disney fun house. And this is at Shanghai Children's Medical Center. It was oh. yeah, it's really cool. There are some great pictures online. So it was built in celebration of International Children's Day. And it takes kids in need to the furthest reaches of the galaxy. There are some great interactive Disney games, activities, and fun learning experiences for kids and also their families during their hospital stay. And it was designed by Walt Disney Imagineering. So you can just imagine the incredible creativity that went into the space.
1: I love that. Staying in the hospital can just be so scary for kids. So having to be able to have the sort of escape moments I think is just really cool especially when they're Disney.
0: Absolutely. I didn't know this but this is Disney's 27th fun house in China so it's continuing a program that began in 2016 and the tradition dates back to Walt himself who would visit families in children's hospitals with Disney characters of course and animators to grant kids and their families
2: magical wishes.
1: Love, it. Love that. Mm-hmm.
2: I mentioned Disney Plus earlier and we got some cool news about one of the shows, the Disney Plus original series Diary of a Future President. It's coming back for a second season, so very Yay, exciting news nice. there. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's such a cute show. It's all about a middle schooler who is basically the future US president. She's also a female and also part of the Latinx community. So there you go, looking forward to more of Diary of a Future President on Disney Plus.
1: I love that. Well, we all got the chance to visit Galaxy's Edge earlier this year. And now no matter where you are, whether it be a Disney theme park or your living room, you will have the chance to visit Galaxy's Edge. Um, A great collaboration between Lucasfilm and Oculus Studios. The new Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge, which is a VR experience coming to the platform later this year. So people who really wanted to take their Galaxy's Edge experience to the next level and have some very, very cool gameplay in multiple styles will be able to do that using Oculus. And you can read more about that on StarWars.com.
2: Cool. Well, I think I'm all about Disney Plus this week because I got to tell you guys <laughs> more about Secret Society of Second Born Royals because yes. it's going to start streaming Yay. July 17th. Well, the movie stars Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who you guys will know from Disney Channel's Andy Mac, and she plays mm-hmm. Sam, who is second in line to the throne in her kingdom, but she's kind of the girl who would rather blaze her own path rather than perform her official duties. So you'll see her go to a summer boarding school where she and some other teens find out they have superhuman abilities. And those abilities come from a genetic trait that only second-borns of royal lineage have. So we'll see her join the secret society, and I think it's going to be a good film.
1: And I actually had the chance to interview Skylar Astin, who is Peyton Elizabeth Lee's co-star in the movie. We did the interview at Disneyland, and the interview and very, very cool Disneyland photographs that we shot early this year are in the new issue of Disney 23 magazine, which just started shipping out to members. So... Very, very fun there. Awesome. And speaking of D23, D23 just announced a celebration of 50 years of the Walt Disney Archives. I know earlier this year, we we spoke to Becky Klein about the anniversary of the archives and Robert Maxheimer about the exhibition at the Bowers. Um, Mike Vargo talked a little bit about it. And for the next few weeks, D23 is celebrating it big time, marking it with the premiere of the new documentary adventure through the Walt Disney archives, which is hosted by our friend, the legendary producer, Don Hahn. And that's going to be available exclusively for D23 gold and gold family members. For the next few weeks, there's going to be incredible sweepstakes. And, I wish I could enter because there is a an original check signed by Walt Disney is one of the items Whoa. that people are going to be able to win. Very cool. That's crazy. There's going to be new videos. There's going to be new content. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming as D23 celebrates 50 years of the Walt Disney Archives. So you can follow hashtag DisneyArchives50 on social to keep up with the conversation and certainly visit D23.com for all the archives fun.
0: Very cool. Guys, guess what time it is? What time is is it? It is time to talk about five fantastic things to watch this weekend. Woo! Yay! (laughs) And I feel like this is cheating because the first item is actually three fantastic things to watch, and that is item one. So get ready. (laughs) All right. It's a back-to-back-to-back Pixar marathon, starting with Finding Nemo, then Finding Dory, and then ending with Ratatouille.
1: I mean, sure, we know what you're doing this weekend.
0: Oh my gosh, it is the trifecta. (laughs) So check it out on Freeform on Saturday and Sunday.
1: Well, and for those of you who have little ones, there's a new episode of Fancy Nancy, and they you know they have two little stories in each one, and one's called The Whisper Heard Round the World, which is tells about what happens after Nancy breaks a promise. Ooh. And Nancy Braves the Storm. If you've got little ones, two new fancy Nancy's coming your way on Saturday, June fourteenth on Disney Junior
2: sign me up (laughs) all right something to watch um sunday june 14th a long gone summer this is going to be on espn sports doc guys you know this is my jam
1: it Um, is i know this one
2: (laughs) is all about the summer of 1998 when mark mcguire and sammy sosa were trying to take the single season home run record so i'm excited about that i think i had both of their baseball cards back in the day (laughs) Wow. So it's gonna be a good. Speaking one. of the
1: documentaries, I actually watched Lance on ESPN. I don't know if either of you watched that, the two part documentary about oh, no, Lance Armstrong. Yeah. We mentioned it a few weeks ago and I, I mm-hmm. watched it with my sister and brother-in-law. It's so fascinating. As I know you're both familiar, I am not a big sports person, but I thought it was great.
0: Well, next up on the list, also on Sunday, is Celebrity Family Feud. I would love if we could compete on the show. Anyway. Yes, yes. So in this episode, the two competing families are from The Bold Type and RuPaul's Drag Race. So
1: it'll be a
2: fabulous episode.
1: Cannot miss. Cannot miss.
2: Down for that. Also happening on Sunday, June 14th on Nat Geo, we've got a new episode of Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Are you guys into this show I love Gordon Ramsay. Anything remotely food-related, you know I'm there. That's right. I reeled you in <laughs> with that one. But there's a new episode Sunday. <laughs> well, our guest today is an award-winning actor and director who, for Disney, directed Thor and Cinderella. He directed and stars in the upcoming Death on the Nile. And he is the hopefully non-criminal mastermind behind the Disney film Artemis Fowl, which premieres this weekend on Disney+. We should also mention... He's the first knight ever to be on our show. So please welcome Sir Kenneth Brana.
3: Hi. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for being here. So we are obviously a Disney podcast,
0: so we thought we'd warm you up by asking about what your very first Disney memory is.
3: Oh, gosh, it feels like there are a world of Disney memories. But uh, Lady and the Tramp, the animated film of uh, Lady and the Tramp, I guess, mm. those songs and that kind of swagger of that movie, it had such warmth that it just really... You know, it, it it got so under your skin. The Jungle Book. Um, it was the animated films. Uh, going to the movies with my family to see those that I think really made my my first big Disney impressions. And then, because I come from Ireland, where Artemis Fowl is set, to read and hear about this mythical place, Disneyland over there,
1: <laughs> mysterious, <laughs> exotic
3: world of Anaheim, was uh, <laughs> something that was very magical for me. Well, That's funny considering most of
1: us who live in Anaheim or even Los Angeles think of Ireland as a fairly mystical, magical place. So there you go. Artemis himself is framed as a criminal mastermind. So as a director, what did you do to get the audience on his side
3: as the hero of the film? Well, it's a good question. I did feel that we had to. I felt that we couldn't assume that everybody had read the books. And so what Owen Colfer, the author of the book, said was his starting point for the character to create this junior Bond villain was maybe something that we should, in this origin film, film, have developed before our very eyes in making Thor... For Marvel, for me, it had been important to try and find a journey inside the first film that allowed you to have an emotional connection with the uh, character. So in Artemis, the danger is maybe that people will feel that this guy is just a little too clever for his own good. He's a little too privileged, a little too out of reach. So we, we find him in our movie at a relatively normal school and living a relatively normal life. Great outdoors appeals to him. He loves to skateboard, to surf. We started there with relative normality, because he's about to be hit by this impossible, it seems to believe, idea that fairies exist. And not only do they exist, but they have kidnapped his father. And from that point, his journey towards potentially ending up as a criminal mastermind begins.
2: Love it. Well, we mentioned that you direct Artemis Fowl, but you don't appear in it unless there is a cameo that we missed, which if so, please tell us. But if you were to act in the movie, who would you want to play?
3: Well, I did get to make a secret, vocally distorted appearance as the interrogator of the outrageously unreliable mulch diggums played by Josh Gad. So eager ears will hear my voice at the beginning, and they will also, if they hear with uh, extreme acuity, hear Owen Colfer, the author himself, whose voice appears in sections of the movie early on that replicate the sounds of the Irish news media. So we managed to somehow... Keep it in the family. And to answer your question fully, if only I could, but there's only one of him, uh, the part that I would have loved to have played in the movie would be Mulch Diggums. But there's only one actor for Mulch Diggums, and that's Josh (laughs) Gad. It's
1: funny you would say that, because I I watched the film with my niece, who's seven, and she loved it. And her favorite character was Mulch. Ah, isn't that nice to hear? And her big question, so I'm asking on her behalf, was, How did you do it? How did you do those special effects with mulch?
3: Josh himself had lots of false hair and lots of false beard. And, you know, he created his costume of this tunneler. the kinds of materials you might need if you were tunneling underground. And then we had a kind of extraordinary uh, plastic prosthetic jaw that Josh himself could manipulate in order to loosen his jaw and expand his teeth in order to dive down and begin the difficult process of tunneling under the earth with your face, letting letting the debris uh, out another way. That was how it started, with a big piece of brilliantly designed makeup on Josh's real face that he could pull out and grab. And then it was overtaken by the magical world of computer visual effects. So it was a marriage between what we could provide on set and what we could do with the magic of digital effects.
0: Wow. Well, speaking of Josh Gad, when D23 interviewed him... He said that the practical sets were just incredible. So what was it like for you actually building Foul Manor rather than creating it through computer graphics?
3: Well, one thing it did was it left the level of excitement on the set really high so that every time you wanted the audience to feel the excitement of the characters who for instance at various times of being pursued around that extraordinary house by a giant troll that we would be in a real house and we would smash w- windows and we would fly on chandeliers and we would ask Ferdia Shore and Lara MacDonald to tear around and ride the chandelier and jump across the you know the massive atrium and everything and for instance the very first time that Ferdia who plays our hero came into that house and I showed him around it was amazing to see his reaction and then to go to his bedroom the set that we'd built for Artemis' bedroom. Months earlier, we had asked him all the books that Ferdi himself had read. He's a great reader, loves the Artemis Fowl books, but many other books as well. And when I took him to the bedroom and he walked over to the bookshelves, which populate that room, he said, I know this book, These are, but I have this book at home. And we said, yes, that's right. We have absolutely <laughs> copied what you told us. So now you can really feel at home. And in every other way, we try to make the all the settings kind of feel as though they had that lived-in dimension, whether it was Haven City, the home of the fairies, uh, whether it was Judy Dench, who plays Commander Root, getting to practice on her Segway machine so that she could guide herself around that great sort of snaking set everywhere we could. We tried to bring whatever was real and built to the actors in a way that would sort of ignite their imaginations. And you could feel through the screen that sense of real, genuine, human excitement that adds to the, the total experience of the movie. So you
1: mentioned her. And I have to say, I loved seeing the Oscar, BAFTA, Golden Globe, Olivier Award winning Judy Dench in her fairy gear. <laughs> that costume. Amazing. What what was
3: it like for you to see her in that costume and those ears for the first time? It was great to see how much she loved it. Judy Dench loves to be cast in things that are totally surprising. So when I told her that she had the opportunity to play a character who was 850 years old, who would get to wear a very long, rather kind of funky green leather coat and have a pair of very pointy ears, she was wildly excited. Add into that a sort of beautifully coiffed and sculptured, sort of crazy, sexy, grey hairdo, she was in. In fact, so excited was she when we had the first rehearsal with her and Ferdia Shore and Lara MacDonald, who plays uh, Holly Short. She wanted to capitalise on it by making uh, what I guess you would call cupcakes, but we call fairy cakes. And so the first rehearsal between Commander Root, Holly Short, and Artemis Fowl was making cupcakes. Judy Dench insisted on it being a competition and insisted that she won. <laughs> Amazing!
2: <laughs> Love that. I got to know who the biggest prankster is on set when you guys were filming because you have such a great cast.
3: Well, they were all at it. Frankly, there was there was a constant back and forth. Judy Dench uh, loves to throw people, she used to leave cushions with funny messages on, on sets that she wasn't on. So uh, an actor would lift a, a, a prop and then uh, her favorite one was to leave a, a cushion for Josh Gad, which said back off Josh Gad because she always said to him that he, he was always trying to get into her. He wanted to be in everybody else's shop so once he'd had his close-up, he wanted to be in everybody else's shot as well. She was <laughs> just this cushion around warning him that that wasn't going to happen. And then Ferdia Shore and Lara McDonald had competitions about who was best on, on a skateboard, on a one-wheel, on the Segway, climbing upstairs, who was best at climbing across a chandelier. Generally, if there was a competition for how high you could jump, how far you could run, how well you could surf, Everybody did it. And if they could mess up the other person in a non-threatening way, they would.
0: (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Well, I've got to ask about Hercule Poirot. My fiancé is just getting into Agatha Christie. So very cool that you directed yourself as Poirot for Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. Is it easier to direct yourself because you know what you want or is it more challenging? What is that like?
3: Well, the good thing about Hercule Poirot is that he is in the crimes that he gets involved with, these mysteries. He's often interviewing people who he suspects may be culprits. And in so doing, he often pretends to be different people. He's kind to one person. He's tough with another. He's sort of eccentric with someone else. He's kind of producing a performance. And then, of course, he's testing whether they are speaking the truth or not. So to some extent, you could say that he's directing the mystery. So when you are a director yourself and you're in two-handed scenes with another actor, actor you're essentially as poirot viewing that other performance uh, uh, just as if you were assessing whether they committed the crime or not so poirot is a uniquely kind of sympathetic uh, character to be playing if you are doing both things because he's a he's like an inbuilt in-house in-movie director so it felt mm-hmm. like a, a, you know a really smooth fit
2: well, for Disney you've directed three distinctly different epic fantasy films like I mentioned Cinderella, Thor, and of course Artemis Fowl. So, what did you love about these projects?
3: Well, there's a scale in these movies that's great. It was a, you know, a big thrill to direct Cinderella and, you know, and go to the ball to create that massive ballroom, see those amazing costumes, have all that excitement, have all that dancing. Uh, of all the films I've ever done, the excitement that I felt from all the people who went to Cinderella's ball, all the makeup people, all the cameramen, there was a real sense that that event, that dance, that aspirational moment, you know, whatever it corresponds to our high school dance, the prom, the birthday party, whatever it is in other people's lives, that special day, that special moment, that big event that you want to look your best for, and where you want all your friends and family there, and it's super important, and exciting, you know, I really, really felt that. I enjoyed that enormously. And to be able to deliver it on a large scale. That was true also of these other pictures. There's that the Disney resources, the devotion to trying to create something very memorable and very sizable and spectacular and full of scale for your screen experience. That's something that these Disney films have really been A joy to do because they transport. They really invite the filmmakers to try and let the audience enjoy that escape, whether it's to Cinderella's Ball or into Poirot's Mystery or Artemis' Fowl's Siege or Thor's Trip to Asgard. These invitations to bigger and different worlds that Disney take the audience and filmmakers on are really exciting places to be.
1: Hmm. So along with those films, you've done a lot of incredible Shakespearean projects. Is there something similar that attracted
3: you to the Disney and Shakespeare projects, or is it their difference? Uh, well, it's both, actually. You know, you put it very well, but I think the, um, I think what I like about what Disney often go for and what Shakespeare often goes for uh, is magic. I love the fact that the stories can transport you. They can let your imagination, as they do in, in Artemis Fowl, Artemis's incredibly technically savvy brain, his computer and digital awareness, you know, lead him to a scientific handshake with magic. But then when the magic happens, you can really go on a, a sort of flight of fancy. Shakespeare does that as well. His, fill, his plays are full of ghosts and magic. A, a play like A Midsummer Night's Dream is sort of, a, in a way, a perfect Disney world where, you know, adventures happen in a magical nighttime that is moonlit, and where people can travel around the globe in forty minutes, says Puck, amazing you know character in that play and and that invitation to the larger than life, that real sense of the possibility of escape fantastical escape is common I think to Disney and to Shakespeare
0: well Kenneth, it's been magical to talk to you, but before we let you go, we've got to ask what is your favorite Disney memory
3: My favorite. Disney memory. Well, to be honest, I'm afraid I'm going to be selfish. And I'm going to say that my favorite Disney memory is at the end of our Cinderella, when faced with at the end of this extraordinary story where she's been subject to such challenges in her life, where she's faced such loss, and then also had these moments of sort of immense excitement, Cinderella, who has met the prince that will be her companion, and they are equals, importantly, faces the wicked stepmother, the woman who has imposed much of this cruelty on her. And she looks at her, and she has the capacity to feel sorry for her. And she says at the end of that movie, in a very quiet, very simple phrase, I forgive you. And I think that Disney were incredibly bold to allow that sentiment to be out there, that somehow that, that a leading character after everything that's happened could have the wisdom and the maturity to consider turning the other cheek and being bigger than those who've been tough or cruel or unkind. And for me, that was a wonderful thing for Disney to do and a great message to get out there into the world. Wow. I love that, That's and amazing. I love that movie too. So me
0: too. I've got to give yeah. it a rewatch. And Thor, and Artemis <laughs> Fowl. I'm just going to do a whole marathon. Conveniently,
1: <laughs> all on Disney Plus.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: well, thank you so much, Ken, for joining us. This was incredible and a joy. And congratulations on the film. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Candice. Thank you, Sherry. I really appreciate
3: it. you to talk to you.
1: Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. And don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney.
0: And for all the latest Disney info, check
2: out D23.com. And we'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Disney.
1: Inside Disney. Disney.